This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you today to Great News and God's Views, a half-hour weekly broadcast on Free FM 89.0, independent community media. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Our worship theme today, Christ calls us to put the needs of people above legalism and ceremony. Truth and Consequences The prophet Isaiah offers here to the exiled community of faith three conditions and multiple benefits from God. If you do this, God promises, I will do this and this and this. Literally a bargain. At this point in the history of Israel, God is so ready for his people to reform that God promises the moon to those who will observe some simple standards of faithfulness. What are they? In the text we shall read now, we find three, civility, compassion, and respect for the Sabbath. We read from Isaiah chapter 58, beginning at verse 9. Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity... And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall my light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose water fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honourable, and shalt thou honour him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the higher places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Removing the yoke. The singular use of this noun yoke represents a mental picture of a yoke in the midst of the assembly of God's people. Here it waits, resting for its next victim. Who will wear it next? A person who says yes easily and so is given every undesirable job that comes along? Someone who has so many gifts they are encouraged to lead beyond an appropriate balance of leadership? A person who doesn't fit the congregational mould and becomes the object of gossip or discrimination? By finger-pointing and evil speaking, we designate the yoke to be worn by the person or group that is the object of our preoccupation. And God says, remove the yoke. 
Remove it from its central place in your common life. Take it out and ban it. Feeding the hungry. The second standard of faithfulness called for by God is to offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted. While the first phrase specifies a no-nonsense, getting-down-to-business approach to addressing the needs of the hungry in the community, the second suggests something more involved. Satisfy the needs of the afflicted reflects chapter 58 as a whole and its deep concern with issues of equity and justice. A litany of directives found in verses 6 and 7, which you read now, gives us the idea. Is not this the fact that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal to the, thy bread to the hungry, and thou shalt bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? End injustice, set the oppressed free, share your bread, bring the homeless into your house, clothe the naked. It is easier to feed the hungry at the soup kitchen once a month than to satisfy the needs of the afflicted in more lasting ways. We do not know the particulars of the exile community's situation, but we do know our own. Whether we are comfortable hearing it or not, the call to faithfulness speaks right to us. Calling the Sabbath a delight. The third standard of faithfulness, honouring the Sabbath, has some become something of an anachronism in our time. It's often regarded as a quaint relic of an earlier age. For most of us, it's almost humorous to think of applying with any degree of literalness the standards of restricted activity with which the religious community of former times observed the Sabbath. And yet, much discussion in recent years has centred on a retrieval of Sabbath time into the rhythms of life. We are reclaiming the cast-off notion that our bodies need downtime, our families idle time together, while our lives rest. Odium sanctum, the classic notion of holy leisure, has gained new interest in a society that's become accustomed to rushing through the days with its tongue hanging out. In such an atmosphere, Sabbath moves beyond the level of discipline and becomes delight. I was glad when they said unto me, Let's go to the house of the Lord, sings the psalmist. No wonder. Our first music today, Joy Has Dawned. Keith Getty and Stuart Townend originally wrote Joy Has Dawned for a collection of hymns on the Apostles' Creed.
It has long been claimed that monkeys typing randomly could eventually type out the complete works of Shakespeare. Plymouth University researchers recently installed a computer in a monkey enclosure to see what would happen. After a month, the six monkeys in question had produced five pages of indecipherable text. This result isn't surprising, though, because the monkeys mainly use the computer as a toilet and trampoline. This ridiculous research reminds me of the mathematician Sir Fred Hoyle's analogy to illustrate the likelihood of a single biopolymer necessary for life arising by chance without a creator. He likened it to a hundred thousand billion 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 blind people each solving a Rubik's Cube puzzle simultaneously. And this is just one biopolymer. The simplest life forms have hundreds of biopolymers. Despite these odds, however, many people insist life arose by chance because they don't like the idea of a creator. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media. We continue with When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. One of the greatest hymn writers of all time composed this beautiful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Isaac Watts, born in 1674, was born in England, the first son of a family of nonconformist pastors. Though his training in Greek, Latin and Hebrew would have allowed him the opportunity to become an Anglican priest, he chose to pastor a dissenting congregation. When I survey the wondrous cross.
You are listening to Great News and Goats Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the Free FM Alexa skill. We continue our discussion of today's worship theme Christ calls us to put the needs of people above legalism and ceremony. How dare you! In a Peanuts comic strip, good old Charlie Brown is reading while Lucy swings. He says, It says here that the world revolves around the sun once a year. Lucy gets this totally stunned look on her face and says, The world revolves around the sun? Are you sure? I thought it revolved around me. We all know people like that, people who think the world revolves around them, and when we have to deal with folks like that, one of our immediate responses is, how dare you? We read from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirit of just men made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that speak on earth, how much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we received a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Attitudes make a difference. It is easy to take offence in such an arrogant, selfish attitude, such presumptuous pride sets our teeth on edge like fingernails on a chalkboard or the thought of a sauerkraut milkshake. Sometimes pride even gives us cause to be humble, especially when we look at our lives in the light of the Son of God's sacrifice for us. Our attitude should be thanksgiving. In this letter, the author gives a glorious invitation. Wherefore we received a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We give thanks, but our inward reaction to the invitation is, how dare we? How do we approach God, let alone offer an acceptable worship? The prosperous farmer, while interviewed by a newspaper reporter, was asked to tell the secret of his success. He told about an old rooster he'd observed on his father's farm. This rooster could peck harder jump faster, fly higher and fight better than any other rooster in the place. But as he lost most of his fights, even against punitive roosters, 
The trouble was, just as he was winning a fight, he'd stopped to crow. As Christians, we can't afford to let that attitude rule. A city bus driver had a passenger who was upset about something and let loose a string of invectives that would burn the ears off an elephant. Everyone on the bus was shocked and embarrassed. When the bus stopped and the profane rider got ready to disembark, the bus driver said, Excuse me, sir, you left something behind. The passenger growled, Yeah, what? The bus driver said, A bad impression. When we are haughty and arrogant in our faith and in our witness, all we leave is a bad impression. Does that describe you? When we are haughty, arrogant, demanding and rude, there's no faith and no room for Christ. There's no room for love, mercy or grace. When there's no room for faith, love, mercy or grace, then there is no acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Our Lord and Saviour died for us. Contrary to what Lucy thought, the world doesn't revolve around us. There's nothing for us to be arrogant about. Instead, we are called to give thanks. The thankful spirit shows reverence and awe. Thankfulness acknowledges that all we have and are comes from God. When we acknowledge that, there can be no haughtiness and pride. How dare we? We dare to come to God through a thankful heart filled with awe and reverence. We continue today's programme with Speak O Lord by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend.
This is Peter and Tricia thanking you for joining us for great news and God's views today on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We invite you to listen in every Sunday from 9.30 to 10 for a presentation of historic Bible-based Christianity highlighting preaching of the Word, classic songs, hymns and spiritual songs. We use only the King James Bible, the authorised version. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Our closing music today. Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. This is adapted from a longer poem by the American Quaker pianist John Greenfield Whitler. In 2005, it was voted second in the BBC Songs of Praise, UK's favourite song. Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon head to patreon.com slash free fm 89 to find out more